0: Adrian and Solomon.
1: Solomon and Adria, and you are listen to Afro Mythos, the podcast where we discuss all things African mythology, folklore, and culture.
0: That's right. So thank you for taking your time out to explore this amazing world with us.
1: Today we're delving deep into the realm of ancestral spirits and the intriguing views of the afterlife across various African pantheons.
0: That's right. So ancestral spirits, for those who may be unfamiliar, are spirits of the deceased who continue to play a significant role in the lives of living. So they're not just any spirits. They're revered forebearers who are believed to offer guidance, protection, and even blessings to their descendants.
1: In African indigenous religions, the principal deities, spirit, and ancestors are regarded as active agents in the theistic and non-theistic notions of supernatural forces embedded in the various pantheons. So, in a nutshell, some of these supernatural forces are considered godlike, whilst others aren't.
0: Yeah. And African pantheons of gods, goddesses, spirits and other non-human beings are varied in numbers and complex in character, of course. So the relationship between many gods and their supreme god varies from region to region, country to country and people to people.
1: Ancestral traditions, the veneration of deceased parents and forbearers, constitutes a key aspect of African religion. Today, polytheism, the worship of multiple gods on the African continent, is extremely controversial.
0: Yeah, colonialism will do that. <laughs> so, in the Ibo culture, for instance, the ancestors of ndaiichi. please, if I'm saying this wrong, I beg. <laughs>
1: You're saying it wrong.
0: <laughs> the ancestors of ndaiichi, Ndiichi, um, they hold a prominent place. So they're venerated and remembered in ceremonies. Their wisdom is invoked during decision-making as well.
1: Similarly, the Zulu people have the Amadozi, ancestral spirits that intervene in the lives of their descendants. Ensuring continuity and protection.
0: So, the Dogon of Burkina Faso and Mali have two categories of ancestors those who lived before death entered the world and those who lived after death came to humanity. So, ancestors in the first category were considered immortal, and those in the second category were mortal. In
1: the tradition of the Bambara of Mali, when the first humans died, they did not disappear, they moved closer to the creator and became ancestors. For the Bambara, Death is viewed as a positive transition in the direction of the creator.
0: So the afterlife, meanwhile, is a vast and varied concept across the African continent. The ancient Egyptians, as you might know, had a highly intricate belief in the afterlife, where the soul undertakes a journey through the duat, the underworld, to attain eternal paradise.
1: Then there's the Okan of Ghana, who believed the Azimandu, did I say that
0: right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the land of the spirits and the dwelling place of the... Oh, another
0: one. The
1: samphor. The Nisamphor. The, the, the ancestors, which Adria will talk more about. Right? I shall,
0: yeah, apparently. <laughs> so what is an ancestral spirit or afterlife belief in the context of African mythology? Well, it's an integral aspect of understanding life, death, and the intricate bond between the two. These beliefs are deeply rooted in culture, traditions, and rituals of African communities, shaping how people live, remember their ancestors, and how they perceive life after death.
1: These ancestral spirits and beliefs about the afterlife are not just remnants of ancient times. They are living traditions that still hold dear, often merged with contemporary religious practices.
0: Yeah. So the African continent, of course, with its vibrant cultures and countries and people, offers a myriad of views and narratives on the afterlife and the significance of ancestral spirits.
1: Some of these deities or beliefs might feel familiar, whilst others could be a delightful discovery. But isn't that the beauty of exploring the mythologies from around this beautiful continent?
0: Mm-hmm. It is. So come along with us as we uncover more about these powerful spirits and the mysteries of the afterlife in African mythology.
1: Exactly. So
0: who's going to kick things off?
1: Is it you? I think it's you. I think
0: it's you. Do you? It's first. It's
1: you. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. So let's journey to the Central Africa's heart, where the Congo River carves its path and the Bakongo people thrive, rooted in the ancient kingdom of Congo. The Bakongo are not just guardians of the land and tradition. They're also the keepers of a profound spiritual connection. Their beliefs weave a tangible world with the ethereal, where ancestors and the afterlife are as real as, pre- as the present and the living. Sorry. This deep spirituality is evident in their ceremonies, festivals, and art. Each mask, statue, and carving is not just an artifact, but a narrative, a bridge to the world beyond. So, the Kikongo language rich with proverbs and stories, safeguards these traditions, echoing tales of spirits, the afterlife, and the eternal dance of existence. Their fertile lands and the vast Congo River have not only sustained them physically, um, but have also been the backdrop of countless spiritual journeys, fostering a spirit of reverence for the past and the hope for the future. So as we delve deeper into the Congo world, we uncover cosmology that intertwines creation, Life and afterlife in an intricate dance of existence. This dance sheds light on the Bakongo's um, perception of life, death, and the world that lies beyond, where every end is also a new beginning.
0: Great. So we're talking about the Congo.
1: Yes, the Bakongo
0: people okay.
1: of Congo of Congo of Congo, the ancient Congo with a K. Okay, in yeah. Central
0: Africa. Yes.
1: Okay. So I'm going to start with the creation story because um, we love. Creation story.
0: We do. I'm excited. So
1: in the beginning. So in the beginning, there was. So these names are going to be hard to pronounce because you know my tongue isn't like fluent in yeah. these words, but I'm trying.
0: It's understandable. Exactly.
1: So in the beginning, there was Bungi, a vast circular void of emptiness, a realm of nothingness. It was from this void that the creator god, Nambi Mungu. Um, brought forth creation. So Nyambi Mukungu is the supreme god, like the eternal sky father, the god of the sun, fire, and in traditional Congo spirituality, his female um, counterpart is Nyambisi, mm-hmm. um which is the sky mother um, and the goddess of the moon. Um, so after Portuguese colonization, Nyambi Mukungu became synonymous with the Christian god and. Um, existed chiefly as the creator god so um, Nyambi Mukungu, um brought forth creation a single spark named kalunga emerged growing and expanding until the void brimmed with its fiery energy this spark soon unfurled into a cosmic force spewing heated elements across space eventually giving birth to the universe we know the sun, the stars, the planets and beyond. This act of creation instilled in the Bukongo, the belief that life thrives in on constant change and on end in motion. So here's an image of um, I think that one of the statues for Nyambi.
0: Okay, Bukongo. nice. For those listening um on the podcast, so Spotify and everything else. It'll be on our YouTube.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, one of the benefits of Having visuals, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so post creation, the universe's balance took form. Nyambi delineated the worlds. Kuniska, um, our ten- tangible realm. It's like earth and what we see. Mm-hmm. And Kunmemba, member, the spiritual or the ancestral domain. Separating these realms was the Kalunga line. What started as a mere line um, metamorphosed into a vast river. Conduit between birth and death, material, spiritual. So as the sun journeys across the sky, setting at the end of the day, it symbolizes death. Yet, much like the sun rising anew, the Bokongo believe in rebirth, a journey back to the living world. So this cyclical nature of existence finds its root in the term Kalunga, denoting the thresholds between the worlds as well.
0: Okay, that's cool. All right. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. So this cycle is graphically represented um, in the Congo Cosmogram or the, um, the Kenga cross. So that's this image that you see here. Type in the, um, the Kenga cross and you can see what yeah. we're talking so about.
0: so
1: Cross. So
0: <laughs>
1: here, the circularity of um, Mungi and the division of the Kulunga line comes together. Painting a vivid picture of the Bokongo's life cycle, mm. this compass guiding every Bokongo referred to as Muntu through four stages. So it sort of even looks like a compass if you look at it, and um, it also looks so, like a avatar type. Yeah. Thing. So it means through life's four
0: stages. So like. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So oh. if
1: if we look at the image, it yeah. sort of shows um four four things that the um I guess the, is it compass points. Cardinal points. So yeah. at the top, you have air, which is to tuk- tuk- tukula. You have on the right, you have like never eat. North, wheat. east,
0: southwest. Yeah.
1: I learned it. Never Little eat shredded wheat.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So in the east, you have kala, which is fire. Mm-hmm. And in the south, you have water, which is musoni. Mm-hmm. And to the left
0: <laughs> <West>. <laughs>
1: to the west you have november never give this earth. guy a compass <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay that's cool and yeah. if
1: you look at the stuff it sort of shows the um kalunga river going through it
0: nice um
1: and at the top is a physical world which is it's almost like air mm-hmm. and then at the bottom water represents the spiritual world
0: nice and it kind of shows the cyclical nature of life so you've got all the way from birth to maturity to death Oh, sorry. Conception to birth to maturity to death. Yeah, exactly. Which is quite cool.
1: Yeah, and it also represents the rotating of the sun.
0: So they see conception and death as the spiritual world and birth and maturity as the physical world?
1: Yes, exactly that. And so it's also interesting because it says like water and fire equals spring, fire and air equals summer, air and earth equals fall and earth and water equals winter.
0: That makes
1: sense, and I can't explain why. It, it, it just does. It just makes it, sense. It
0: just
1: does. Yeah. Girls that get it, get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yet right. the cosmology doesn't end there. Within these worlds lies spirits, guardians of the paths between the realms, the simbi, so water spirits, um, which inhabit bodies of water and rock. So much like the naiads and dryads in Greek mythology, um, but they act as gatekeepers. They guide the bakulu the spirits of the departed ancestors along the Kulunga line, ensuring their passage to the spiritual world. These spirits um, don't remain confined to the Congo native lines. They transcended continents, you know, making their presence felt during yeah. baptisms in the African-American Christian ceremonies. So a testament to the hoodoo transitions. And also, if we if we think we've heard of the Simbi somewhere before, is because it's one of the races of the originators in the Marvel comic book world, mm. and that we were talking about. You know how there was yeah. some that were like a Nancy, The same people was one of them. So do watch our Marvel Mythos videos because it's incredibly interesting as well. So furthermore, the Congo um, religion known as Bukongo is deeply rooted in the cosmological principles and the belief in the interconnectedness of the living and the dead. So the niski, um, the singular is called um, Mikisi, um, are objects that play a crucial role in the Congo religion. They are believed to be inhabited by spirits and are used for various purposes, including healing, protection, and divination. The nukundi are a specific type of niski that are known for their aggressive nature and often invoked to seek justice or hunt down wrongdoers. So, wrapping this up, (laughs) (laughs) the Congo cosmology isn't merely a belief system. It's a testament to the interconnectedness of realms, the cyclical dance of life and death, and the internal journey of the soul. For the Bukongo, the universe, with its vastness, isn't daunting. It's a cosmic dance, a play of realms, spirits, and energies, where every end equals a new beginning. Nice. Yeah, that's me.
0: That was nice. I've never heard of that before, obviously. So that was very interesting. I really liked the um diagram. Yeah. The, the,
1: yeah. Across. Yeah,
0: I think it was very helpful to see that. Like so please if you're listening um audially. Audially.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. The
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Just, just Google it. Because it's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. Really cool, man. Okay, your turn. <laughs>
0: Okay, so like you mentioned in the intro, I'm going to be talking about the Asemandu. Um, So they're from the Khan people of Ghana. Um, so Asamando can be translated as ancestral home or land of the ancestors. So it's the realm or domain where the spirits of the deceased ancestors, the sampo, reside after death. So this realm is neither heaven or hell, but a continuation of existence in a different form. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's explore this concept in more depth. Now, in more depth. Oh yeah, I said death. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so for the Akan, physical death called Owu. <laughs> Please mm. guys, I don't know pronunciations, but I'll try and... so for the Akan, physical death called Awu does not mark the end of life, but represents the transition from earthly life to spiritual life. A transition that each individual must make to reach a samdul. And join the community of the Nsamfo, so it's like a kind of it's a very personal transition. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: I remember hearing Uwu in is it that folk tale that we read how yes. death wants and yes. that's from Dahomey.
0: Yes, okay. and Dahomey has been known to be very linked to Yakan. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, nice. So the Yakan believe that each individual consists of certain material and spiritual components. So the body called Honam and the blood called Moya rep- represent or modja, I'm trying, represent the material or physical components. So, whereas the life force or soul called kra, and the divine breath called honhom, and the spirit called sunsum represent the spiritual or non physical components. So, you have components that are spiritual and non physical, and you have components that are material and physical. So, you know, the body, the blood, yeah, you mm-hmm. get that stuff. Okay. So, Nyame, the creator, bestows the material and spiritual elements upon people at conception and birth. However, upon physical death, the individual's body and blood join Asaseya, the mother earth. Mm. So while the soul and divine breath and spirit return to nyame. So it's kind of like, you know, while they give you these things at conception and birth, they take mm. it back. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It's like the cycling. Yes. Yes. The cycle. <laughs> it's the circle of life. <laughs> so you can't believe that the universe and all things both animate and inanimate are endowed with varying degrees of spirit, which is also the basis of the individual's character and personality. So, so upon death, it is the spirit that makes the transition to the samando and awaits the nomination to the status of nemanfo, which means deceased ancestor. Yeah. Yeah. So, when it's death, it's just your spirit, kind of like Greek
1: mythology. Mm-hmm. When they wait
0: on like that, yeah. Of- yeah, I know. Tell you a bit more about that. (laughs) So let me tell you about the journey into the Isamando. So according to Khan belief, when a person dies, they don't just cease to exist, but instead embark on a journey to this the ancestral realm. However, the journey isn't straightforward. The departed soul must cross a river using payment given to them before burial. Payment might be coins that have been placed in the deceased or other ritualistic items. So those without the necessary payment, particularly those who led unvirtuous lives, struggle in this transition leading to them wandering and potentially causing disturbances in the world of the living so when i was researching this obviously it reminded me of greek mythology and, you know the river styx mm-hmm. when someone dies in ancient greece they had to be washed and then a coin would be placed on their mouth and to pay the ferryman who would take them across the river mm-hmm. um Kyrie. to different parts yeah to different parts of the underworld so it's actually quite cool how, yeah, how very similar, similar yeah. <laughs> almost like identically similar Mm -hmm. It is. Um, So that was really interesting. So that's the journey to the Asamando. Okay. Yeah. So why is this ancestral realm important to the Akan people? So ancestors in Asamando are revered and play a crucial role in the lives of the living. They're believed to guide, protect, and bless their living descendants. And because of this, some Akan regularly honor the ancestors through rituals, prayers, and offerings. As well as this, funeral ceremonies among the Akan are very significant events. These rites are designed to ensure that there's a smooth transition of the deceased to the Islamandu and to honor their memory. So funerals are communal events drawing together extended families and even sometimes entire communities. So this highlights the importance of the deceased journey to the ancestral realm. So, you know, they really funerals are very, very important. Like yeah. as you know. Yeah. <clears throat> So while Asamando is not a place of punishment or reward like some religious concepts of heaven and hell, the actions of individuals in their earthly life can impact their existence in the ancestral realm. So those who lead honorable lives are believed to have a more favorable, favorable position in Esamando, Or those who have unvirtuous lives obviously might face challenges getting there, as mm-hmm. I explained. So there's no like direct, you know, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. It's just like the life you lead or yeah. kind of um signify how good of a time you have there, I guess is the best way to explain it. (laughs) That's fair,
1: that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So in essence, Asamundo isn't just a place or realm. It's kind of like a whole belief system that signifies the connection between the past and the present, Mm -hmm. the living and the dead. So it underscores the cyclical nature of existence, where death is just another phase in the journey. And ancestors continue to play a pivotal role of the lives of those they leave behind. So you know, it just doesn't stop at death. It's not a full stop. It's kind mm-hmm. of a dot, dot, dot ellipses.
1: Yeah, no, that's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, uh, it sort of has connections to, um, yeah, sort of like what I was talking about as well. Yeah, in terms of you know, life not just stopping after. Yeah, death.
0: Death. And I really liked how similar it was to Greek mythology because it yes. kind of made it even easier to understand. Yeah, um, in that way, it made it more familiar, should I say? It's mm-hmm. like. Obviously we know about the heuristics, we know about, you know, the underworld and technology. So knowing that there's something very similar like this in, mm-hmm. you know, the Akan pantheon in Africa, it kind of yeah, it's quite cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to delve deeper into that and yeah, see
0: it's really cool.
1: Why such a strong link is
0: Yeah, there. even down to like coins
1: mm-hmm.
0: placed on at death. Yeah. So
1: very interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's also similar to the Egyptian rites as well. Yes. So that makes a bit
0: more sense. More sense, yeah. No, that's true. Okay, fair. Yeah, cool. It's all connected.
1: So is it back to me? So I'm going to talk about tar, um, the heartbeat of creation and the guardian of the afterlife. So today we're journeying to the golden sands of ancient Egypt where the mighty Nile cradles the civilization that has etched its mark on the annals of time. So amongst the pantheon of deities that has graced the temples of the hearts of the Egyptian, Tar stands as a beacon of creation, craftsmanship, and mysteries of the afterlife. Da, da, da. <laughs> so <laughs> Ta, the chief deity of Memphis and the ancient capital, is often depicted with Uh, in a mummified form, holding a staff that combines the symbols of life, which is the Ankh, Mm -hmm. stability, which is the Jed, Mm -hmm. and dominion, was. Um, But what truly sets tar apart um, is its unique method of creation. Unlike other deities who spoke or acted to create, tar conceived the world through his heart and gave it life through his words. So this concept, known as heart magic, positioned Tar as a divine craftsman whose thoughts and words sculpted the universe. Mm-hmm. So the Shabako stone, um, which is a relic from the 25th dynasty, provides a detailed account of Tar's creative powers. It describes how Tar, through his heart and tongue, gave form to the gods and every creation, emphasizing That thought and command precedes physical manifestation. Okay. So um, I was a bit confused because we've done an episode on Egyptian mythology and, you know, we were talking about Ra or Amun Mm -hmm. creating the world out of non. And basically, essentially, Ra, Amun and Ta are treated like interchangeably sometimes. Mm. And um, they're interchangeable names for one divine entity with Amun as the name, Ra as the face, and Tar as the body.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Get
0: into it. Yeah.
1: I like that. But Tar's influence extends beyond mere creation. As the patron of craftsmen, he was revered by artisans, builders, and sculptors. Every creation, from towering obelisks to intricate jewellery, was seen as an echo of Tar's original act of shaping the universe. So, delving into the realm of the afterlife, um, Tar's role becomes even more profound. In Egyptian folklore, the afterlife was a complex journey with the soul facing trials, judgment, and potential rebirth. Tar was believed to be the master of this realm, guiding souls and ensuring their safe passage. One such tale speaks of the opening of the mouth ceremony uh, where priests invoking the spirit of Tar um, performed rituals on mummies to ensure the deceased could speak and eat in the afterlife. So guaranteeing their um, sustenance and ability to advocate for themselves during the judgment by Osiris. Mm. So imagine if they didn't do this ritual, it means, imagine you're dead and you're being judged and someone's saying, Say what's good about yourself or say what you've done that's good. And, you're like, mm, 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 and you can't speak, so you can't oh. like, defend yourself or you can't be trialled um, because wow. people didn't do the ritual to allow you to talk. Yeah, that wouldn't be great, would it? <laughs> Furthermore, Pa's um, association with the afterlife is intricately linked to the concept of the Ba and the Ka essential components of the Egyptian soul. The Ba, often depicted as a bird, um, represented the individual's personality, whilst the Ka was a life force. After death, it was Ta's divine craftsmanship that ensured the reunion of the Ba and the Ka, allowing the deceased to live eternally in the afterlife. So yeah, in conclusion, Ta is not merely a deity, and within the vast Egyptian pantheon, um, he embodies the essence of creation, the spirits of craftsmanship, and the mysteries of life and death. His tales, etched in stone and passed down through millennia, serves as a testament to the intricate tapestry of the belief that shaped ancient Egypt. And as we reflect on Tar's legacy, and we're reminded of the eternal dance between the creation of the cosmos between life and the mysteries of life beyond. Ooh. And that is Tar. Um, if you're thinking you've also heard of Tar before, it's because we also talk about Tar in Marvel Mythos, where we talk yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> about the Orishas. In shameless the Wakanda, plug. Shameless
0: plug. Continues.
1: But yeah, we talk about the, um, the Orishas in Marvel Mythology, and yeah. Tar is one of the Orishas. Um, or Gods of Wakanda mm-hmm.
0: so, so if you're listening on Listening devices <laughs> What is it? I, I was going to say audibly But it's not On Spotify and stuff like that um, We've started a new YouTube series Called Marvel Mythos Yeah So check it out
1: Super interesting Gotta watch it Gotta You know what I'm talking it. about
0: Gotta catch them out.
1: And back to you
0: So today I'm taking you From Ghana to Uganda Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice trip. So, I'm going to be talking about the pantheon of the Chwezi. So, these are spirits that constitute in the traditional religion of Bunyoro. Saying it right, saying it wrong, who knows? So, Bunyoro, also called Bunyoro Katara, is a Bantu kingdom in Western Uganda. And it was one of the most powerful kingdoms in Central and East Africa from the 13th to the 19th century. So, the current ruler right now is Solomon Aguru, the 27th. Mukama, I had to include that little tidbit because he has the same name as you. <laughs> so I couldn't leave that out. <laughs> of course. So thank you. I like that. Yeah. So um, let me introduce you to the Chwazi. So I got this story from a dictionary of African mythology, which is a book that is currently in my Amazon basket because we're going to get it. Mm. It's really good. So the Chwazi are a mystical people who came to Bunyoro many years ago and they ruled the country for some generations and then strangely disappeared. Really? Yeah, who knows why. So the Twayze constitute a pantheon of contemporary effective spirits, each identified with one of the long dead, if not mythical Twayze, and each possessing its own individuality and special competence. So they possessed marvelous skills and miraculous powers. These spirits are not thought of as ghosts of real men who died long ago, however. They're thought of as, like, unchanging, timeless powers. Would that make sense? So not, like, ghosts, but just, like, these beings that have been here for a long time. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, like, if a vampire was here for, like, centuries kind, as a ghost?
0: Kind of. <laughs> 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 kind of. Okay. So before the Chwezi came, there was an earlier dynasty of kings. The last king being King Izaza. Izaza. So during his reign, these mysterious people came with cattle from the north and from the east. And it is said that they were red with long straight hair and had superior magic ability that they obtained. So they obtained supreme power because of this. Okay. And that's who the Trazi were, if that makes sense.
1: Right, okay. So
0: before they came, there was like a previous dynasty mm-hmm. yeah. that ruled over the kingdom. And then they came, and because they were so magical and different and powerful, they gained supreme power.
1: Okay, that sounds like um, natural selection. That's
0: fine. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, the Tresi came and they were like the um, other dynasty. We're more powerful, so we're taking control. Mm-hmm. And they set up the empire called Bunyoro Kitara. Yes. Yeah. So, they built forts and they knew the use of bronze and they had magical powers, so they set up this powerful dynasty. Mm. So, <laughs> little disclaimer, this like dynasty and this line, is this lineage, should I say, this is very confusing. So I'm going to try my best to explain it to you as, you know, as simple as possible. I'm going to try and dumb it down just so you okay. understand the dynasty before I explain to you why the Trazi are, you know, revered as ancestral spirits. You kind of have to understand the background.
1: Okay. We okay. thank you for your service.
0: It was hard, guys. It was hard. Okay. <laughs> so obviously embedded within like the traditional history of Uganda is the tale of this majestic Kitara empire, one of the oldest and greatest kingdom settings that has ever existed in the Great Lakes region. This empire was founded by the Chwezi dynasty. So I'll explain to you how the Trazi came. and That's who they are. Okay. So the Trazi dynasty is thought to have been related to the Tembuzi dynasty. So get your pens out if you want, because we're doing a family tree. I've done one. Here's one I did previously. Right. If you're watching on YouTube, there it is. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So, King Izaza of the Tembuzi dynasty, he was the last ruler, Mm -hmm. right? And before descending into the underworld, he fathered a child called Izimbwa. So, um, he fathered her with the daughter of someone called Nayamonga, the underground king, whose name was Niamati. So, in short term, King Izaza and Niamati had a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah? yeah? And they called that baby Izimbwa. Yes. Yeah?
1: This makes sense.
0: Okay, it makes sense. <laughs> so Izimbwa then had a son called Nadahura Nada- with someone called Buchuku, who was the daughter of King Izaza's gatekeeper. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Does that yeah. all make sense? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then N- N- Nandahura then became the first king of the Katara Empire. Mm-hmm. Naduru- Nandahura then had his own son called Bamara. Was the last king of the Chwezi dynasty. What? Is that making sense? Did I lose you?
1: No, you, you lost me.
0: Where did I lose you?
1: This person had a son with who?
0: Oh, we don't know who he had the son with. Okay. That's why I put a question mark there. Okay. Because it just, from all the research I've done, it just said that he had a son called Wamara. And okay. Wamara is the last king of the Tracy dynasty. Okay, right. And King Azaza is who was there when the Chwezis came to take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, does that make sense yeah okay (laughs) his his lineage had a half Chuezi, half real son called nandahura Mm -hmm. and then that guy had another son called wamara who was the last king of the yes okay yeah i i hope if this doesn't make sense i don't know but i tried but i'll I'll explain the story now okay okay (laughs) i think i get it i hope you get it Mm is this okay so, obviously, the Tracy possessed divine powers and at the same time, um, human characteristics. So, they were thus referred to as demigods since they belong to the world, the earth, and the underground as well. The underworld as well. So, demigods, like, hmm. demigods. I don't know, Hercules? Was he one? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Technically. Yeah, technically. So, it was the... You could de- say Maui. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> So, it was their divine nature which made them great magicians and hunters. So, the Chuezi Empire and dynasty was extremely vast um, and it was supposed to have covered the entirety of the West, South, and Central Uganda. So, a big part of Uganda they covered, along with some parts of Kenya, Tanzania, the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, it's a really big empire. Yeah. Um, however, their origin remains a mystery and is subject to great debate from several historians. Some of whom even doubt that they ever existed, which is crazy to me because if they were this big empire, how can you doubt they ever existed?
1: Tell me, oh,
0: it doesn't make sense. Right. I think it's just because they came so mysteriously and they left very mysteriously.
1: Mm. So,
0: and it was a long time ago. So, some, some people just think it's a big aliens folklore. Solomon said aliens. So, however, <laughs> because their origin remains a mystery and is you know subject to great debate, it's highly there's so many different. Um, kind of origin stories and different stories to how they came and how they went. Mm-hmm. So it's highly believed that Tracy ruled this great empire for about 200 years, so from the 14th to 16th century. And according to oral tradition, two kings ruled the empire throughout these years. That is that is Nandahura and Wamara, mm-hmm. you know, the two people I took, spoke to you about before. Yeah. Right, yeah, So does that make a bit more sense now why I was like, Nandahura was like the first and Wamara was the last, because there was no one in between. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are several stories as to why this empire crumbled and more importantly, why the Chwezi are now venerated as ancestral spirits. So this is the bit you want to know. <laughs> so some say it was because Nandahura, who was the great son of a Chwezi called Izimboa and Bukuchu, who was the daughter of the King as gatekeeper. So obviously this guy was like, that's why they called him demigod. He was half Chwezi, half human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nandahura grew up a proud and arrogant young man and when he inherited the kingdom, he extended its boundaries and divided it among the Trezi alone. So when Nandurua had his own son, Mara, there was a series of plagues. Loads of cattle died, and people no longer rendered obedience. And above all, there was a plague of smallpox. So everyone's like, yeah, you're a rubbish king. Like, you're not doing anything to help the death of this cattle. There's smallpox going on. There's other plagues going on. Like, everyone lost trust in him. People
1: are dying?
0: People are dying. Like, come on. <laughs> so in disgust, the Tracy departed. That's what oh, people say. Wow. That's that's one account mm, of what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. So everything basically went to the and The Tracy just said, all right, I'm out. So some people say that the Tracy disappeared in the lakes. And when they had gone, people concluded that they were gods who had vanished into the earth. And the spirits who were believed to live in large trees and rocks. Yeah. And now Nandahura has become the god of smallpox. Oh. Yeah. Because obviously during his time of reign, like smallpox was just okay. doing its thing. Yeah, it's, and like, then... it's like when
1: people start calling you, <laughs> calling you a name based on something you've done wrong. Or... Yeah. yeah.
0: Because he vanished. So they were like, okay, he must have been the god of smallpox because that's all he gave. He wasn't a great ruler.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, hey, that's mark. <laughs>
0: So when the Traezy vanished from the country, they left behind them a cult of spirit mediumship of which they themselves were the objects. So due to this, they gave the um, people of they gave the people a permanent means to access magical wisdom and power that they represented. Some people say that they left their power behind, and like people who like you know worship them now can kind of access that power. So okay. there's that. Some people also say that the beginning of the collapse of the Tracy Empire was marked by the death of their beloved cow, Yihongo. Yihongo? Cow. Yeah, the cow. Because, you know, they came with cattle and they're very, like, they like the cattle. Okay. So you know how one story says all the cattle died one? Mm-hmm. This story says that it was the death of one cow, for Yihongo.
1: Okay.
0: Um. So apparently there was this prophecy going around that if this cow was to die, the entire empire would crumble. And obviously the cow died. Mm. So guess what? Empire crumbled. Yeah. And yeah. because of this, people thought that this king was a weak ruler and mm. um, he failed to defend his people and the cow from <laughs> external attack. And it made it it made the whole dynasty vulnerable to a lot of enemies. So that's another uh, kind of interpretation of that. Fair enough. Funnily enough, I know you're thinking this sounds like the most random one.
1: No, not right. really. That's no. not what I was thinking. What no. are you thinking? I was thinking it sounds very similar to the plot of a Percy Jackson book, The Last Olympian, where oh. there's like a cow, a sea cow that had to be sacrificed, and the sacrifice of this sea cow means the end of the Olympians.
0: Okay, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Damn. okay. So yeah, if you're thinking this one's random out of the other one, but if not, if you think it sounds very like similar or more believable, it's because it kind of um historically makes the most sense. So um you know how I said like because of the death of the cow and the prophecy, like it mm. kind of made the whole dynasty very vulnerable to like a lot of attacks. So mm. historically there were a lot of attacks that happened in this empire. Okay. Yeah. So like the Neolithic Lua invasion of the Qatar Empire was said to be like the biggest blow to the empire, which made it like collapse mm. and kind of fulfilled this earlier prophecy that I told you about. Yeah. Um there was also, um, yeah, there was just basically loads of different attacks that happened on this empire, unfortunately. Not easy. And not it easy. kind of also backs up the fact that this last king was kind of not a great ruler. Mm. So I guess kind of all these folklore stories make sense because maybe they're based on some aspects of truth. Yeah. Yeah. So There's a, lot, a weak link. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot, and especially because of the disease and famine, that's also another big aspect that actually happened that people attribute to you know, the leader and the downfall and the disappearance of the Tracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all in all, all of these things, whichever one happened, led the Tracy to flee into distant parts of the world. And the people are believed to think to think that they just vanished into the underworld.
1: Mm. And now
0: they just possess this divine status because at one time they were great rulers yeah. and they ruled for over 200 years. So now they have this kind of divine ancestral status. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So... They haven't totally faded away. Some traditionalists still believe that they exist somewhere in the underworld. And they looked at them as gods. Um, some people claim that, you know, they've made some reappearances here and there. All in all, it's very intriguing folklore, especially about, you know, the origin of some of Uganda's people. people. So, yeah, they continue to live right now in the memories of a lot of people. Um, so although the historical empire has faded, their spiritual empire has kind of grown a lot. Mm. So, you know, they've transitioned to being rulers of like, you know, physical territories to be to being venerated ancestral figures. Um, so a lot of people worship them, or like you know, pray to them, or look to them for guidance and stuff like that. In particular, which I found interesting, um, Lake Wamala Wanmala has become like a very noticeable pilgrimage site. So that's where a lot of people go. You know, to kind of speak to them. The crazy. Um, yeah. Oh no. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of the Tracy in a nutshell kind of (laughs) yeah so they're kind of these like were they there were they not there were they real people were they not either way right now they're ancestral spirits that people look to um and they're kind of kept in the heart of generations and the stories of generations in Uganda so whether or not they were actual rulers or you know Mm. um, rulers of the empire who knows
1: it's very similar to you know the i guess when there's like the deified ancestors yes um who disappeared in a mysterious way so yes. now they're venerated as um gods or yeah. So, was, yeah yeah basically like that yeah Actually, um incredibly interesting
0: very interesting i just thought it was so cool i was like with the whole um what's it called family tree alone mm. that could be like a movie
1: yeah, I, could, I can see this as a d- documentary on the Discovery yeah. Channel or something like that as yeah. so.
0: Because the King's Gatekeeper's daughter randomly just like meeting mm-hmm. up with this guy to create the next king. Mm-hmm. I don't know what She'll happened be like, there. <laughs> because he was the gatekeeper. She was the gatekeeper's daughter. Like mm-hmm.
1: they'd be like, the Great Tracy Kingdom was it real? Was it not? Let's investigate. Dun dun. Dun 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 dun. Anyway, <laughs> super interesting. Thank yeah. you very much for that. No problems. Okay. And there you have it. Another episode rich in stories and mysteries, inspired by the wonders of African mythology and culture. We hope your journey with us today was both enlightening and
0: exciting. And before we go, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. To so share the magic, by rating and leaving us a review. Every star and every word that you type fuels us to, you know keep going with these stories and the research yeah. and the folklore week after
1: week I'm sure you want more consistent episodes don't you yeah well you can do it by giving us five stars <laughs> or whatever you do, you know you, you believe five stars preferably yeah um <laughs> so, so as we prepare for our next exciting episode you know it's episode Minnesota, episode yeah and um, it's going
0: to be about definitely after life yeah I love it so
1: many yeah. in between so many stories that we can put in there
0: yeah
1: um, be sure to turn on your podcast notifications um, so, you don't miss any updates from us. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, subscribe.
0: Subscribe. So yeah. As well. Especially if you're on YouTube. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, and hit that bell as well.
0: Oh, yeah. This thing.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> stay connected, stay curious. And remember, the magic of African mythology is always just a click away because our page is just a click away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, whether it's our podcast or our YouTube or our social media, mm-hmm. the magic is there.
1: Until next time, and as always, thank you for taking the time to explore the wonderful mm-hmm. world of African, African mythology. mythology with, with us, up. your hosts,
0: Solomon Adra.
1: Aja Adra. Adra Solomon. Adra Whichever way you want to stay.